Welcome to the Everything RVC podcast. I'm your co-host, Amanda Keeper, and he is David Costello. I am. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. Did you put up your Christmas tree this weekend? <laughs> That's been up for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little longer. Uh, in my man cave, I actually have three. Oh. Yeah. They're themed. So like, I've been doing, I'm a Steelers fan. If you can't tell, I've got my, they play today. So oh, very nice. I have my Steelers nice tie, tie on. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Um, so I have a Steelers tree. Okay. All Steelers ornaments. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have a Star Wars one. Shock, right? Yep, Shocking. Big, big shocker. Yep. So, uh-huh. and then, what's the other one? Oh, the other one is all NFL um, quarterbacks. Because every year Hallmark does um, football, like NFL ornaments. And most of the time they're quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So over the years I've collected all the different quarterback ornaments. So okay. those are the three in the basement. And then upstairs are the, <laughs> you know, the real trees, the family trees. So we norm- trees. normally have two of those, but we just put up one uh, this year, which has all of the ornaments that my wife and I have given each other or that we've bought together mm-hmm. on trips and mm-hmm. or stuff like that or stuff now with Elliot involved and just a real sentimental guy, David. Yep, that's me. So yeah, four trees in the Costello house. Well, I'm happy that you're feeling festive and at least a little bit festive. Um, I'm feeling festive today, but it's for a different reason. The reason is one of my current students is here today, Cesar De La Rosa. And I can tell you that the first time I heard you speak, Cesar, I invited you to the podcast. I think it was after your first speech I had you come up to the front of the room and I said, look, your story is phenomenal. You're an amazing speaker. You are natural. You're a storyteller by nature. And more people need to hear about the experiences that you've been having. So welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. You are only the second current student that we've had on the RBC podcast. Uh, We've had lots of alumni. Uh, We've had faculty members, staff members, administrators, but it's so nice to have current students talk about their experiences. And your experience started in high school, and so you've had multiple RBC stories. So take us back to the very beginning in high school. How did you first hear about Rock Valley College? Thank you very much. Um, I first started uh, back in high school. Um, I'm graduating class of 2019. Okay. Um, I graduated from Jefferson High School. I started off my RBC experience on a dual credit class, which was criminal justice. Mm-hmm. Um, that class was taught by like an active police officer. Uh, in the daytime, he was a teacher. In the nighttime, he was an active police officer at night. Okay. Um, his name is Officer Charlotte. Unfortunately, he's not working no more as a teacher. Um, but yeah, that's how I started. And then I started taking AP courses, which are linked to RBC. And then uh, I was introduced to the uh, Rockford Promise program, which is the uh, program that pays for two years at RBC. Mm-hmm. Um, I was given that, uh, like I said, also by the stories I was giving them as well, my grade average mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so on. So a teacher noticed you and told you about it, pulled you aside and told you about it? Yeah, it was actually three teachers that Mm -hmm. recognized me and then my counselor as well. Uh, I was in the HBS Academy, uh, which is the Human Public Services, and I was going for uh, criminal justice in particular. And then they started seeing my participation in the criminal justice course, Mm -hmm. and that's when they recognized me as well. 
Okay, so it's not just me. You've been um, recognized by several teachers. I'm not surprised. And it was actually your talk, your first talk in my class, your self-introductory talk, which is called the Cultural Wisdom Speech. And in that speech, you blew me away from the very beginning. And I'm actually going to uh, read a little bit uh, from your outline. I brought it with me today. Uh, your, your thesis statement was, awareness, value, and courage were taught to me by the streets that saw me grow up to who I am today. And you started your speech by showing a, you call it a privilege picture. Yep. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what is a privilege picture and what did you show us? So what I showed you in the speech, it was uh, a picture of my current neighborhood mm-hmm. where I live. And then the second picture, it was one of like the middle class, almost high class mm-hmm. neighborhoods. Um, I put that in there so you can make a comparison mm-hmm. to the way I live, how other people live. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people like, how do I say this? Uh, they complain where they live at, mm-hmm. but they don't know that other people live worse than them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a couple instances um, of a couple of my fe- peers that I actually aren't friends with no more. Um, they would talk about all the problems they had in, like, their neighborhoods, but they would live in, like, middle-class neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. But I will never talk about my problems because they were more serious. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. And you got our attention right away. Um, and then you said, you complain about your neighborhood, and it's quiet and it's lame, but don't <laughs> you know that some people wake up to hell each day? And so you described your street as sometimes a living hell. You said, I've been living in the south side of Rockford, zip code 61102, my whole life, and all these experiences have created the person I am today. And you talked about how really, I think you had this analogy. Um, well, first of all, the title of your speech was The South. Yes. And, and, and explain that. Why is The South the title of your speech? Oh, because that's the area where I live in. Mm-hmm. I'm on the south side of Rockford, mm-hmm. which is, uh, like I said, 61102 zip code. And I live over there by South Main and then uh, South Central, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you said in your speech, because you have to cite sources, you said, according to Sperling's recent study, in the zip code 61102, on a scale of 1 to 100, 1 being the least crime and 100 the worst crime, 61102 lands on 53.5 on the violent crime uh, scale. scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you showed us that graph. Um, and so basically what, what you wanted to, to tell us is that a lot of people talk about kind of the war that they're living um, and, and how they describe war. And you were saying that your war is really on the streets of your neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. And you had some extremely um, terrifying experiences. Can you share those experiences with us? Um, well, the first one would be when I was uh, back at age 12. Uh, me and my little brothers were just playing around in the living room. And then out of nowhere, we just started hearing loud roars in front of the house. And we didn't know what it was. Uh, you could hear engines rumble a lot, tires screeching. And then my parents just literally came inside running, telling telling us, hey, drop to the floor. They're shooting the house. Just drop to the floor. Mm-hmm. And all of us terrified. We didn't know what it was. And we were just there. Um, the second story, it was when I was actually 17 years old. Uh, my neighbor, his name is uh, George Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a normal day. 
And then I was in my room. My parents actually came inside telling me, hey, they're going to shoot the neighbor. And then I run outside, and they have a shotgun pointing at my neighbor mm-hmm. in front of everyone, in front of our neighbors, in front of his family, in front of us. The man was just angry, and we didn't know what happened. Why was this happening? And the guy was just yelling at him, all this nonsense. And we were just there just witnessing it all happen. We called the police. The police didn't even arrive until like 10 minutes later. Mm -hmm. So that didn't help. The man just quickly left because the neighbor talked to him. And, yeah, he just left. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that most impacted me the most was actually this uh, past July, July 1st, 2019. Um, To be exact, it was a Friday night. It was a rainy day. Rainy night, I mean. And uh, me and my brothers went to the mall, Cherryville Mall, here in Rockford. And then I went back to my girlfriend's house before going to my house. And we were just there for a little bit until I got a phone call from my parents telling me, if you see any cops in the house, don't get alarmed. They're just here for us. And I was telling my mother, what do you mean there's cops at the house? And she was like, don't worry about it. And she started crying. So as soon as I heard that, I left to my house to see what happened. Mm -hmm. And there was like around 10 police officers around my area in my house. And I was asking questions like, what happened? My mom was on the floor. Uh, She sprained her ankle trying to run away from some armed robbers that tried robbing them. Uh, My father was just confused on what happened, and my uncle just didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, What they told me is that... uh, Two armed robbers came into my garage, pointing guns at them, uh, threatening them to kill them or to harm my sister, which was inside the house. Mm-hmm. And they just gave them their wallet and they left. But my parents were very traumatized and they don't want to stay outside no more yeah. at night. Yeah, I would assume all the stuff that you've seen and have had to grow up seeing influenced your decision to want to study criminal justice. Can you yes. talk about that and why that's important to you? Um, personally, I like helping people out. Um, that's how I am. And I started seeing all these, like, troubles happening around with my family, with lawyers, and how some lawyers be scamming them, Mm -hmm. or they don't help them at all. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I love my people as a Hispanic person, as a, yeah, Mexican, uh, descendants. Mm -hmm. And I see so many injustices with the lawyers here, specifically here in Rockford, with my people that they don't help them at all just because of their color. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why I wanted to get into the criminal justice field and try and help out. And do you want to be uh, law enforcement or do you want to get into law? Um, uh, the plan is going into law, okay. criminal justice law. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you want to defend people and yes. help people that way. Okay. And on top of that, your second speech, you started talking about immigration. Yes. Tell us um, about more about your... Uh, passion for immigration and some of the problems you see with immigration? So immigration has been a uh, very big problem, and particularly in my life as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are were immigrants. They came in from Mexico back in 98. Uh, they suffered so much, and from there, that's where I started growing my passion towards helping the immigrants. Um, and uh, also my uncles and all of them as well. Um, all this happened because uh, my parents jumped on the border. Mm -hmm. Uh, They came over swimming the Rio Bravo, which is over there in Texas. Um, 
their story actually impacted me a lot. They didn't tell me this until I was like 15, so I could actually comprehend it. Mm-hmm. Um, what they told me is that they had to cross the river, um, risking that they could drown and getting extortion by the actual coyotes, the coyotes. Mm-hmm. And they were facing death, basically. Uh, they had to go through a desert for like a day, and then they had to go through water for like an hour, hour and a half around there. And they were just trying to get back to the U.S., trying to get to the U.S. Um, they were with the crowd of people, and they told me that not everyone made it. Mm-hmm. Some of them didn't even go into the water. Some people actually drowned. Mm-hmm. And my mom told me that there was a couple instances that she couldn't even feel the floor, that she just had to, like, paddle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming over here, they were just looking for the American dream, how they quote it, mm-hmm. which is a job and a brighter future. Mm-hmm. Um, when they came over here, everything was... What do you call it? All sunflowers and sun and all happiness. But mm-hmm. when they actually started working, it was a different experience. Uh, my dad actually told me his story that he worked at a factory over here in Byron. I forgot the name of it. But he was working there, and he didn't know not a single drop of English. Um, he was working as a operator, and one of his peers was doing the same thing. But actually, he, he was a American... Italian. Okay. Um, he was born here in the U.S. And it was uh, on a Friday, which they got paid. And usually they would leave the checks like on their uh, locker room, mm-hmm. on their locker. And then that one person one day was curious to see how much my dad was were earning. And uh, he opened the check without even telling my dad about it. Mm-hmm. And he was just shocked at the price that they paid him compared to him. Excuse me. Um, and then he went back to my dad while he was still working, and he was yelling at him in English. And my dad was confused, like he didn't know what he was telling him. Yeah. And then uh, one of his close friends was working with him, and he told him, hey, could you tell me what he's telling me? Mm-hmm. So what basically was the other person mad about is that my dad was an immigrant. He didn't have papers, and he was working at a factory. And plus, he didn't know any English. Um, he was earning a little bit more than what he was, which he knew English, and he was a U.S.-born citizen. And the guy just quoted, no, you immigrant, you don't know English, and how are you getting paid more than me? Mm-hmm. No, how could this happen? How could this happen? And in that moment, that man just left, and he never came back. He quit the job on the spot because my dad was earning more. What kind of impact does that have on your family when you have these aggressions against your, the color of your skin, aggressions against the, um, the very dream that you came here to your parents to, to fulfill? I mean, what is that like emotionally for you? Uh, for me, um, it's pretty hard to actually, how do you say, like swallow it in. Mm-hmm. Um, like, these experiences that they went through, it's just hard for me to even think about them or even tell them at some points. Um, but also as being their son, like, it makes me, like, start thinking, like, how can I help them or how can I help someone else that is in the current situation? Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes me think about it, and that's how, like, I started going into that criminal justice field mm-hmm. and trying to see if I could do something about it. Mm-hmm. Are you the first in your family to go to college? Uh, in my immediate family, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my extended family, uh, two of my cousins are actually in college. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Can you talk about that a little bit and what that means to you and your family? Yeah, so in my dad side, I'm actually the second male to go to college, which is very important to me because not everyone goes to college, as in my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them were dropouts, high school dropouts, and like I don't blame them. Like everybody has their own way of being, and mm-hmm. not sure. college is for everyone, right? right. But uh, it puts a little bit of pressure in me because uh, my family, specifically my siblings, they look up to me. Right. And that's how it pushes me forward to keep coming to RBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is your family supportive of your your journey for college, your extended family and your immediate family? Are they, are they supportive of you? Yes, my immediate family is very supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly my dad. Mm-hmm. He told me that... He doesn't care what I graduate from, but he wants to at least be proud of me um, that I actually went to college. Mm-hmm. So right now he's proud of it that he's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, in my extended family, they are um, happy as well, mm-hmm. but not as my immediate family. Sure. It means more to them. Yeah, it mm-hmm. means more to them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So you said in your attention getter for your speech on immigration, you said some ask why so many immigrants are coming from Mexico. For example... What about, well, okay, this is, sorry, let me back up. You said, you said Starbucks. Did you know a Starbucks drink is five to eight dollars? Imagine eight dollars is about 180 Mexican pesos. That's how much a farmer earns a day for their hard work. Every time you want to buy a coffee, you can. That farmer cannot buy a coffee. Wow. Yeah, so where I got that from is from my experience when I went to Mexico this past March. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family um, comes from a rancho, like a little ranch mm-hmm. called Huacasco, Jalisco. Um, and it's just basically a ranch. Um, there's a lot of farmers. Um, and then I just started asking around because I was curious about it because i seen all these people doing all this hard work mm-hmm. while I was on vacation. And I kind of felt bad, sure. you know. And um, I was talking to them. And they were telling me that about roughly 100 to 150 pesos, that's how much they earn a day Mm. of hard work. Mm -hmm. And that just shocked me because imagine 150 pesos, $100. It's not $100, like $8. $8 a day. Yeah, like you you just go to the store and, like, spend that like nothing. And you really don't think about it. Um, Like, that just sparked something in my head saying how privileged we are being here. Right. Yeah. You go on and you talk about, uh, you said the Mexican worker comes to the U.S. to find a job and find a better future for their families, but they suffer in the workplace due to their skin color. And that's when you talked about that story with your dad that you just told. Um, You said that uh, later on in the speech, you said that the immigrants not only suffers in the workplace, but they also experience injustice due to their legal state of being in the U.S. Um, Papers mean glory and authorization means hell. What did you mean by that? You said the pay rate has been a major growing problem for the immigrant. In 2015, Mexico raised the minimum wage. Um, So Mexican pesos a day is $4.49, which is, you said, maybe $4.79 for U.S. And then you said that according to Matthew Hall, in 2014, legal status and wage disparities for Mexican immigrants, the mean wage of the first month working for a documented Mexican immigrant is $9.82 compared to non-Mexican white natives, which make $12.98. So these are the kind of disparities that you hope to fight against. Yes. Do you have mentors 
that you are connected with that are helping you on your journey? Uh, yes. Um, actually, Rockford Promise gave me a mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Aaron. Uh, he's a current attorney here in Rockford. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we haven't been able to actually um, meet up due to this COVID, mm-hmm. but we've been in touch as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so tell us more about that Rockford Promise uh, process. Like, what did, what did you have to do to get to the program to be considered one of the people that gets the two-year? Uh, you said earlier before the podcast there was uh, maybe four people on the panel or yes. something? Okay, tell us about that. Yeah, so the how the process started is uh, you had to be referred by, like, your counselor or, like, some teachers. Mm-hmm. And then you just fill out the application. And then you just had to wait. Um, I had to wait a whole semester when I was in uh, a senior. Okay. And I personally thought that I wasn't picked because nobody told me anything. And it was a long time that I didn't hear anything about it until the second semester is when they told me, okay, so you're going to have an interview. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, and then on the interview... Um, they asked for you to like dress up casually mm-hmm. and be prepared. And there was actually four representatives of the Rockford Promise. Uh, one of them was Elaine Bick. Uh, she's actually not the Rockford Promise advisor no more. Okay. She retired. And then it was uh, some other advisors as well. Um, I forgot their names. But basically what they did, um, they just interviewed me, telling me how school going, uh, what are my goals, in life, what am I going for? And they told me to describe just myself on uh, why I wanted this and what's the main thing that pushed me to go for RVC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. How did you answer that? Um, I just told them that it was my family, uh, my siblings. My siblings would always tell me, oh, are you going to college? Are you going to college? My siblings, uh, one of them is 14, one of them is nine, then the other one is four. Mm-hmm. So they mean the world to me Um, and specifically my youngest brother the nine-year-old he would always tell me hey are you going to college because my friends brothers are going to college are you going are you Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. and I wanted to Mm -hmm. answer that saying yes I'm going Mm -hmm. to college Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I told them that my siblings were just my everything and they were the ones pushing me forward Mm -hmm. and that's part of what's amazing about it is it does have a trickle-down effect. You're going to affect their decisions going forward, mm-hmm. and they're going to see what you're doing. And I'm assuming they're going to be here and watch you cross the stage and get your diploma, and, yes. and that's going to be a powerful moment. Mm-hmm. So No doubt. Can you tell us about your time at Rock Valley since you've been on campus? So you started in high school taking classes where the teacher would come to you, yes. and you would get the Rock Valley College credit, and that was the dual enrollment program. But mm-hmm. now you're on campus. And you did have some semesters before COVID, right? Yes. And then the COVID semesters. What, what has your experience been like on campus? It's actually been pretty relaxing, mm-hmm. uh, pretty chill. Um, it's been pretty, pretty good, actually. I thought it was going to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in the first semester, I thought I was going to get lost around the campus. Mm-hmm. But like within the two weeks, I kind of figured myself out uh, where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, the faculty members are very well trained. Uh, they're very nice. Um, all my professors I've had before, they're very professional mm-hmm. on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They always help me out. Um, as in the people in general, the students, I never had a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the faculty in general, like RBC as a whole, it's been a very good experience for me. You feel welcome here? When yes, look, I do. When you look around, you feel like you belong, right? Yes. Good. Yes. Mm-hmm. good. Have you been able to get involved in any clubs yet? I haven't, no. 
So there are quite a few clubs, as you know, and uh, I would definitely encourage you to check some of those out. I might even try to recruit you for one a project that I have going on <laughs> because I see your value is mm-hmm. immense and it keeps getting um, just more and more awesome, the stories that you share with us. So have you had any specific class experiences here or assignments here that have really helped you on your journey? Um, talking about that, it will be actually your assignments mm-hmm. about the speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, it just made me open up uh, to the people and it just helped me like better understand myself and how I could uh, talk about things that I really are uncomfortable about it, mm-hmm. which will that actually um, lead to my um, profession that I want to go for. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. speech will certainly lay some foundations for you if you're going to yeah. be an attorney mm-hmm. someday. Mm-hmm. And you said that the class helped you become more comfortable being open about yes. your experiences. Yes. And so talk about some of the reasons that you were not comfortable talking about your experiences. Um, I wasn't really used to, like, just opening up myself like that because back in high school, um, they would just tell you to present, like, a overall topic, nothing, like, really personal. Sure. And that was just something new to me, which I don't mind it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was just like that. Mm-hmm. And so when you gave your first speech, what kind of feedback did you get? Uh, the first speech, they told me that it was a very impacting story. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them actually told me, I forgot his name, um, he told me that his father's actually a police officer, I forgot in which county, and he told me that if it was, uh, what do you call that? If it was fine for me to, him to show it to his dad mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. further so he could see it. And I told him, yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. He, could, he could most definitely show it to him. And he told me the reason was that um, he was just shocked on how the crime here in general goes around, and mm-hmm. it was the first time he heard a witness talk about it. Right. Yep. Yeah, he was, he was, I think, living in a very privileged life. And he said that he had heard about things like this happening on the news, but to sit here and, and be, share a space with somebody who this has become part of in some ways their normal everyday life uh, was very powerful. Um, and again, that's why I think your voice is so important because having the courage to share the hard realities of what you experience kind of takes the blinders off many people that think that this is just something that happens on, you know, channel 13, right? Um, So again, I'm just so proud of you and your courage. And I think that you will do amazing work. I know you will do amazing work. I have absolutely no doubt. Let's get to know more of the personal side of Caesar. So, Caesar, what do you like to do for fun? Uh, for fun? <laughs> um, it's not really something fun that you should say. Um, I just... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm into, like, pickup trucks a lot, and okay. I just like working on mine mm-hmm. and on my dad's. And I just... When I'm bored, like on a Sunday night or, like, on a Saturday night, I just go outside my truck and just look around, and I was like, what does it need done? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of a lost <laughs> art, to be honest. That's kind of a lost art uh-huh. these days, tinkering around with yeah. cars. Part of it's because they're so technological. Is that the right oh, word? Sure. There's so much yeah, technology in yeah. vehicles yeah. now that they, you, you, know, you don't want to mess something up. But right. what kind of things do you like to tinker with? Just open up the engine and go, oh, Oh. what does this do? (laughs) 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 No, but my personal favorite would be uh, car audio. 
Mm. Like, I have a passion for it. I actually work at Best Buy mm-hmm. uh, in the car audio section. Nice. Oh, okay. I was yeah. going to ask you if you, had, if you had a job, too. Yeah, so. yeah. okay. And then also, uh, my father's a current uh, mechanic for two dealerships. Okay. Uh, for Andy's Auto Sales and 4W Auto Sales. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's been a mechanic for, I'm not going to lie to you, like about 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And... I would just go with them ever since I was younger. And it was just a passion of cars that it just grew in me. Yeah. And, yeah, that's uh-huh. how I am. That's, that's great, great skills <laughs> yeah. to have. I can barely change yeah. a tire. So. So, so do you know the sons from Andy's Auto Sales? The sons? Uh, one of them is actually, what's his name? Andy. Uh-huh. Andy's, I forgot his, Chavez. Yeah. One so, of them. So yeah. they were students of mine last semester. Yeah. and or He was a student of mine last semester. And they gave, his family gave a very generous donation to the food pantry what a great family yep yeah that's awesome all right so you have some questions next to you this is the part where you get to pull out two strips of paper oh man and (laughs) it's okay i promise painless so go ahead and reach into that bag and pull out just two strips of paper and read the questions and Uh, answer the first one is what do you regret not doing or starting when you were younger? Oh, this one's a tough one, actually. <laughs> do you already know the answer? Um, actually, like as a younger student, um, back in elementary school and some of middle school, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't really good with grades. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just a kid on school. Like, I would just want to have fun sure. back in elementary school. Um in middle school is when I actually started, like, getting all these A's and B's and, like, getting high grades. Um, and what I regret not doing is actually starting my journey earlier, mm. even though I'm in a good spot now. But sure. I wanted to start it earlier back in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people can relate oh, to I that. Oh, I absolutely yeah. can. Yeah. I, I've said on this show before that for me it didn't even kick in really until I got here. Yeah. I wasn't the greatest student even in high school. Mm-hmm. So, so yep. yeah. Yep. Agreed. No, Good agree. answer. Yep. All right. Next question. And then it says, uh, what lifestyle change have you been, was it meaning to make for a while now? Hmm. Mm. Lifestyle change have you made, meaning to make? What do you mean by this question? It could be like, well, I'm going to work out more, I'm right. going to eat better, or mm-hmm. I'm going to stop watching so much TV. or Stop <laughs> playing whatever. video games. Yeah, it's right. like, what What do you think you could do more of or less of to improve the quality of your life? Um, actually, you might laugh at me for this, but I actually have more knowledge in cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. like, um, I don't know, like, personally, if... What I think about is if this attorney journey doesn't go for mm-hmm. forward, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm always backing it up with uh, being a mechanic. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to be have a better understanding in cars yeah. overall, mm-hmm. and going to more depth in like specific cars, like foreign cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually a really good answer. Yeah. So lifestyle changes are about more or less, and usually it's about discipline. And so you're saying I'd like to be more disciplined in researching and learning about one of my passions yes yeah but i don't want to put too much on your plate but we also have an automotive program so mm-hmm. I mean, oh, you, okay you could probably take a couple courses mm-hmm. just see if you like them or mm-hmm. just just to learn a little bit more mm-hmm. while you're here if you have time to squeeze that in <laughs> <laughs> along with joining a club apparently and everything else that we're gonna have you do but 
All right, so the campfire question for you. We're sitting around the campfire and we are just talking about the problems that you care about. And one of the problems that you care about is uh, privilege. Yes. What kind of message would you send to people about privilege? What do you want people to know about privilege? Um, the message I really want to send out is um, even if you think your life is pretty hard as how it is now, just look around you. Uh, there could be people that are going into more deeper problems than you. Um, and there's always a way out, but sometimes for like the immigrants or like in general, like any immigrant, um, they sometimes don't have the way out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, just really think about the problems that you think are uh, terrorizing your your life mm -hmm. and just really think about it because some people can't even go outside without being um, scared of uh, going with the police or going with the ICE member. Mm -hmm. um, right. and yeah, and you're one of the things I always tell one of my friends is that you're not facing deportation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You really are trying to help people put things into perspective. Yes. By sharing more and shining a light more on people from your community and having people have more empathy for other people. Yes. And not just look around and think everybody is on an equal playing field. Yes. Yeah. That's why I, it's a powerful message. And that's why I hope a lot of people listen to this episode because mm -hmm. um, it's an important um, message for our students, our staff, for everybody to, to hear. Because mm -hmm. um, these things get talked about sometimes, but you don't always have um, a face to put with it. Yes. So, you know, I, mm -hmm. hope, I hope they see your face and listen to your story, and I hope it impacts them yes. in some way. And so to say that one more time, you, you look at your friend and you tell your friend, at least you're not facing, facing deportation. deportation. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that you are a <clears throat> inspiration to many people, and I am so excited for the day, and I, I plan to be there when you cross the stage and your siblings are there and your little brother is looking up at you with the pride that he has and, and knowing that he will be the next person, one of the next people in your family to also uh, have the same outcome. Yeah. 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 Thanks for being yes, here. Yes. Thank you so um, much for being congratulations here. Congratulations on everything mm -hmm. and that you're doing and mm -hmm. what you're going to do in the future. We're really proud of you and it's been great to hear your story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you very you so much. much. You're welcome. Well, another good choice by you. Well, thank you. I just, like I said, the first speech that he gave, there was no way I could not ask him to come on the podcast yeah. and share more of his story. I think that the. Rockford Promise program, the dual credit program, his instructors that came before us that saw something in him were spot on. And mm -hmm. obviously we continue to see that that genius and that bright light yeah. as well. Um, so yeah, what did you think? Because it was your first time meeting him. Well, yeah, kind of like I just said, I was just blown away by his story and it's eye-opening to actually put a face to some of these things that you talked about. You kind of talked about how you sometimes you just see the crime numbers as just that. You see the numbers or you mm -hmm. see it reported on, mm -hmm. but to actually have somebody who's lived it mm -hmm. sit here and tell the story is a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. And how did we start the show today? Talking about me putting up my four Christmas trees and lamenting we didn't put up the fifth this year. Mm -hmm. Boy, my life has 
mm-hmm. tough, right? Mm-hmm. I get mm-hmm. that I am privileged. Mm-hmm. And I get that the worst thing that has happened in my neighborhood in the 10 years that I've lived there is I had to go yell at the neighbor kids because they were throwing rocks at our garage door right. every day after they would get off the bus. I had to go chew them out for right. that. Boy, that's tough. Yeah. You know, so I get, um, and you know, it, I was partially embarrassed as he was, to be honest with you, as he was talking to, to realize that that's how we opened the show. Mm-hmm. But then I said, no, that's important. Mm-hmm. It's an important distinction sure. to make. Sure. Um, it's also difficult sometimes for people to understand that. So at least I at least acknowledge, acknowledge it. that right. I understand right. that it exists. And I understand right. that my life is, is a lot different than right. a lot of people around me. Mm-hmm. So. I hope it also gives people listening um, great empathy for the fact that many people sitting in their classrooms, for faculty members, many people sitting in their classrooms, they're coming from neighborhoods like this every single day, and they're doing everything they can to get here. And mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a, you know, equal playing field. No. And and you know, his step one is making sure he gets it safely out of his neighborhood so right. that he can get to school. Exactly. Exactly. And Try to, th- uh, you know, just think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's Maslow's. I mean, you know, first is physiological needs and then it's safety and security. You know, when you're, when you're stuck in safety and security and not knowing if your house is going to be robbed or right. if you're going to be the victim of another attack, uh, you know, and then how do, how do you pay attention to that paper that's due tonight at midnight yeah. when you get a call from your mom? Um, you know, it's just. Yeah. It, and the cup of coffee thing. I right. got my $6 yeah. Rockford Roasting Company coffee this morning mm-hmm. before I came in. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, just it was just really powerful. Yeah. So yeah. I like I like I told him. I hope a lot of people are listening mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah. I agree. Great choice. Um, keep them coming. You're a, you're a great pipeline to the current student base. You know, I don't know obviously nearly as many um, students. We're gonna have our student worker, my student worker, on. Um, so I have some connections. I'm trying to get current students to come on. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, if you, you come across more uh, people like that, you need to get them on here. Absolutely. And then anyone who's listening, if you know a student, please let us know. Um, our student guests are some of the most powerful guests that we have, and we just want to hear more more uh, stories from all of you. So. Yeah. Coming up later this week, we are going to uh, – a good friend of the show mm-hmm. is going to be in the seat over there, Jerry Levi. So mm-hmm. uh, Jerry has co-hosted yes. in your absence yes. with me once. Uh, he's a friend of the show, a friend of ours. Yeah, he's um, become a phenomenal advocate for everything, every project that we do. He is a true servant leader, and I cannot wait to learn more about him. Yeah, very talented guy, very passionate guy, loves Rock Valley. He's another RVC alum. Mm-hmm. Um, really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, he's a friend. He's a friend of ours as well. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to have a really good time with Jerry. Indeed. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that. So this has been another episode of Everything RVC. I am David and she is Amanda. We hope you have a great week. Take care. <laughs>